Hi, welcome to 4-3 Spanish. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, today we'll be talking about Spanish football. We'll be discussing the rivalries, Spanish teams in the Champions Europa League, the predictions for the La Liga this year, most results, recent results in the league, the national team and a player to watch. The rivalries. El Clasico. El Clasico is one of the fiercest derbies in La Liga. The El Clasico is the match where Barcelona play against Real Madrid. First ever El Clasico was on May the 13th, 1902. The match was in Madrid, but Barcelona won game 3-0. The El Clasico has happened 277 times since. Barcelona have won 115 times, whereas Real Madrid have only won 101 times. The most recent match saw Madrid win 3-1. Lionel Messi is the top scorer in the history of the El Clasico with 26 goals, and Sergio Ramos is the most capped player in the El Clasico with 43 appearances. The Sevilla Derby. The Sevilla Derby is one of the most intense derbies in the world of football. The, it takes place between the two rivals, Sevilla and Real Betis. The first match in the derby was on the 8th of October 1915. The rivals have met 131 times. Sevilla have won 62 times, whereas Betis have only won 38 times. The most recent clash between the two teams ended in a 2-0 win for Sevilla. Some of the other derbies include the Madrid Derby between the two teams from Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, and the Derby de la Comunidad between Valencia and Villarreal. In the Champions League, Real Madrid have won 13 times and Barcelona have won five. Uh, while in the Europa League, Sevilla have won six times. Uh, they're the most recent Europa League winners and were recently promoted to Champions League this season. Sevilla won one game and drew, drew a game with Chelsea in the group this season. They're currently second in their group. While Barcelona are top of their group in the Champions League, Atletico Madrid are second theirs and Real Madrid are third in their group. Atletico have never won the Champions League but have been runner-up three times and won the Europa League three times. Atletico just drew at Locomotive while Real recently beat Inter Milan 3-2. Uh, Barcelona beat Dynamo 2-1 and Sevilla beat Krasnodar 3-2. Valencia have only won one Europa League title and have won one, one runners-up to the Champions League in 2000. The results from the weekend are Elche 1, Celta Vigo 1, Huesca 1, Ibar 1, Barcelona 5, Real Betis 2, Sevilla 1, Osuana 0, Atletico Madrid 4, Cadiz 0, Getafe 1, Villarreal 3, Real Sociedad 2, Granada 0, Levante 1, Alaves 1, Valladolid 2, Atletico Bilbao 1, and the surprising result, Valencia 4 and Real Madrid 1, with the hat-trick of penalties from Carlos Soler. We're a few weeks into the new season and it has been a mad start with some teams well above expectations and a few underperforming. This season's table will be one of the toughest to predict. For top four, I put Real Madrid first, Atletico Madrid second, Barcelona third and Real Sociedad fourth. For the Europa League places, I put Sevilla fifth, Villarreal sixth and Real Betis seventh. For the mid-table, I put Granada eighth, Getafe ninth, Cadiz tenth, Athletic Club 11th, Valencia 12th, Eibar 13th and Alavis 14th. Teams to just stay up, I predict are Osasuna on 15th, Alavis in 16th and Celta Vigo on 17th. And the relegated teams are Huesca 18th, Levante 19th and Valladolid 20th. Real Madrid have had a shaky start but I think they'll come good by the end of the season and win the league. Barcelona have been really poor this season, and with all that has gone on with the board, they'll finish third. 
Saucier have been brilliant this season and don't look like stopping, and they'll suck with Sevilla, who have underperformed for Champions League. The relegated teams I predict will be Huesca, Levante, Valladolid. Between them, they've played 24 games and have only won once. The three teams to watch this season are Cadiz, Betis and Real Sociedad. The Spain national football team have represented Spain in international men's football competitions since 1920. Spain are one of the eight national teams to have been crowned worldwide champions, having participated in a total of 15 of 21 FIFA World Cups and qualifying consistently since 1978. Spain have also won three continental titles, having appeared at 10 of 15 UEFA European Championships. Spain is the only national team to win three consecutive major titles, becoming the first European team to win a FIFA World Cup outside of Europe in 2010, as well as the only to win back-to-back European championships in 2008 and 2010, or 2012. Because of this, from 2008 to 2013, the national team won the FIFA Team of the Year, the second most of any nation behind only Brazil. Also, between February 2007 and June 2009, Spain went undefeated for a record equaling 35 consecutive matches shared with Brazil. Their achievements have led many experts and commentators to consider the 2008 to 2012 Spanish squads the best ever international side in world football. The current Spanish head coach is Luis Enrique and their captain is Sergio Ramos, who is also Spain's most capped player with 176 appearances. David Villa is the top goal scorer, having scored 59 goals throughout his entire international career. Alexander Isaac is one of the most exciting young players in the Liga. He's an exciting six foot five young striker playing for a very attractive Real Sociedad side who are on the up. He came off a red hot loan spell in ho- Holland where he netted 13 goals and seven assists and 16 Eredivisie appearances, but he struggled in his early days in San Sebastian. He began to heat up after lockdown, being in the thick of the action against Real Madrid scoring and assisting as they charged to a 3-0 win. He showed a glimmer of his class after a pinpoint cross to assist Mikel Marino. He's shown many signs that he can become among the best in Europe in the future. He finished the season with 16 goals, making him Sociedad's top scorer. He's drawn many comparisons to fellow Swedes Latan Ibrahimovic for his power and strength. His finishing is very strong, scoring seven with his left and nine with his right. With the arrival of David Silva and the lively Porto, Isaac will have plenty of service. He has a very high ceiling and now has more than enough talent around him to f- fulfil it. It's safe to say football in S- San Sebastian is in good hands for the future. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. This next song is Bavir Mi Bida. This song is a cover of the popular song Say La Vie um, by Khaled. Uh, so positive and a homage to life is what Mark Anthony describes this song as. Bimir Mi Vida is a song about life, living happy and forgetting sadness. It's a happy salsa tune that recorded um, Anthony's return to music after 10 years. Mark said, I like to live with the ideas of a song for a long time before I even go to the studio, but I really feel like this was the right time and I'm very happy with the final product. I named the album 3.0 as a kind mirroring the language often used among friends and social media to define the next level. I'm 
There are many Spanish traditions that express Spanish culture, but the most famous and elaborate tradition would be Spain's festivals. Today, myself, Tom, Harry, and Max will talk about three of Spain's most famous well-known festivals. Las Falas de Valencia. From the 15th to the 19th of March, Valencia is overturned by Falas celebrations, a festivity that combines tradition, satire, and art, expressing Valencia's culture to the world. Falas are giant monuments made of wood, cork, or paper mache. The single figures that compose these monuments are called ninots. Usually, these figures represent satiric scenes in order to criticize popular, popular aspects of the society, such as politics, the current social situation, or some odd customs. Moreover, there are many fayas that presenting fan, fantastic characters from the movies or fairy tales. The, ori the origin of La Las Falas comes from the old carpenter's tradition, who when celebrating the arrival of spring on the 19th of March, carpenters used to burn pieces of wood that were used to prop up their lights during the winter. To this bonfire, they gradually started the old obelonings and racks, which gave the wooden structure a human-like aspect. The Faya celebrations have evolved into temporary works of art and in some cases cost millions of euros. The most important part of Las Fallas is at the end of the festival, every Faya will be burned in a final event called the Carimo. Just one Ninot chosen by the public will be saved and displayed at the Faya's museum. This is Las Fallas de Valencia. <coughs> Semana Santa, Holy Week, is truly one of Spain's most breathtaking celebrations. It is one-of-a-kind display of traditional music, culture, theatre and religion. Semana Santa takes place the week before Easter and involves celebrations and masses. Cities, towns and villages all across Spain come to life during Semana Santa. Each city has their own unique celebration, however Seville is said to have the most impressive festival. During the week, people dress very nicely to watch the celebrations, especially during the second part of the week. Women often dress to perfection while men brave the heat and wear full suits. As with any cultural celebration, Spain's elaborate Semana Santa was for centuries a work in progress. The starting point for its ex extensive history is clearly the death of Christ, from which it takes its subject. However, the celebration we see today is the result of centuries of revolution. During the parades, you can watch the authorities from the churches dressed in white or red clothing march down the streets, while people behind them carry large colourful floats, banners and objects usually which have some relation to Jesus. The most common float is a large platform covered in decorations which has the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on it. That's all from Semana Santa. La Tomatina is a festival held in the Valencian town of Bunol in East Spain in which participants throw tomatoes and get involved in a tomato fight purely for entertainment. The Food Fight Festival is held on the last Wednesday of August each year. In, 2012, in 2012, more than 50,000 people crammed into this huge tomato fight. However, since 2013, official ticketing has been in place, limiting the number of participants to 20,000 people. Usually, the tomato fight lasts for about an hour, after which the whole town square is covered in tomato paste. Fire trucks then hose down the street and participants usually use the water to clean themselves. Around 40 metric tons of tomatoes were used in the one hour long food fight. No one is sure how La Tomatina started, but it has been a strong tradition in Bunol since 1944. Possible theories about whether the festival originated include a local fight amongst friends, a practical joke, or the most popular theory, that disgruntled townspeople attacked a city councilman 
with tomatoes during a town celebration. Whatever happened was enjoyed so much that it was repeated the, year, the next year and the year after and so on. For a length of time, during the Spanish state period under Franco, the holiday was banned for having no religious significance. But the Much Love Festival returned during the 1970s after Franco's demise and has, continued, has, and has continued to be one of the biggest food fights worldwide to this day. Thank you for listening to our presentation on Spanish festivals. Hello everybody, my name is Gavin Ben O'Connor and today I'll be speaking about Spanish history. I'll be focusing on Spain during the First World War and the Second World War. Spain was considered one of the most important neutral countries in Europe by, 15, uh, by 1915, as it was a significant source of goods for France, the other allies, and South America. Spain's economy had been slowly evolving from an agriculture-based system to one centred around industry for roughly 40 years prior to 1914. World War I greatly benefited Spanish industry and exporting. The two areas most affected by the war were Valencian citrus production and steel manufacturing. Further, Spain's gold reserves more than tripled as the war raged, and as a result, the government paid down a significant proportion of its national debt. During the war, there was a great deal of internal political strife among the various political parties and labour unions, which resulted in a series of major worker strikes. This increased frequency and hostility created by this unrest forced several prime ministers and their cabinets to resign, and those who did not quit were voted out of office. As a neutral country, Spain saw no direct military action in the war. It did, however, intern a small German force in its northwestern African colony of Spanish Guinea in November 1915 and intervened in embattling areas to aid prisoners of war. The Spanish crown under Alfonso XIII contributed a great deal to improving the treatment of prisoners and non-combatants throughout the conflict. At his own expense, Alfonso maintained a staff of 40 who helped him serve as an in intermediate no, who helped him serve as an intermediary between prisoners and their families. His efforts led to a his efforts led to the end of reprisals against French POWs in Germany. Thanks in, thanks in large part to its, his intervention, Germany. Thanks in large part to his intervention, Germany uh, commuted eight death sentences held by women and twenty held by men. Alfonso also took up the case of the civil civil population of Lille, which had been devastated by the German army during its invasion of Belgium. What's more, Spain's king vigorously protested against the German navy's use of submarines. By war's end, Spain had lost 140,000 tons. Spain had lost 140,000 no, no, 140, tons of shipping to the U-boats. Even though committed to neutrality, Spain played a valuable role in erasing the suffered caused by World War I. During World War II, the Spanish state under Francisco Franco espoused neutrality as its official wartime policy. This neutrality wavered at times, and strict neutrality gave way to non-belligerence after the fall of France in June 1940. Franco wrote to Adolf Hitler offering to join the war on 19th June 1940. Later the same year, Franco met with Hitler in Haydain to discuss Spain's possible ascension to the Axis powers. The meeting went nowhere, but Franco would help the Axis 
who, whose members Italy and Germany had supported him during the Spanish Civil War in many ways. Despite ideologically, despite ideological sympathy, Franco even stationed field armies in the Pyrenees to deter Axis occupation of the Iberian Peninsula. The Spanish policy. Spanish policy frustrated Axis proposals that would have encouraged Franco to take British control to Gibraltar. Much of the reason for Spanish reluctance to join the war was due to Spain's reliance on imports from the United States. Spain was still recovering from its civil war, and Franco knew his armed forces would not be able to defend the Canary Islands and Spanish Morocco from British attack. In 1941, Franco approved the recruitment of volunteers to Germany on the guarantee that they would only fight against the Soviet Union and not against the Western Allies. This resulted in the formation of the Blue Division, which fought as part of the Germany, as, which fought as part of the German army on the Eastern Front between 1941 and 1944. Spanish policy would return to strict neutrality as the tide of the war started to turn against the Axis. American pressure in 1944 for Spain to stop tungsten exports to Germany and to withdraw the Blue Division led to an oil embargo which forced Franco to yield. After the war, Spain was not allowed to join the newly created United Nations because of its wartime support of the Axis, and Spain would be isolated by many other countries until the mid-1950s. That has been the Spanish History Show. Many thanks for listening. Despacito is a song by Puerto Rican singer Louis Fonzi, featuring Puerto Rican rapper Daddy Yankee. The song was released on January 12, 2017, and was written by Fonzi. It is now the most viewed song on YouTube. Come and move that in my direction. So thankful for that, it's such a blessing, yeah. Turn every situation into heaven, yeah. Oh, oh you are. My sunrise on the darkest day Got me feeling some kind of way Make me want to savor every moment Slowly, slowly You fit me, tell me love how you put it on Got the only key, know how to turn it on The way you nibble on my ear The only words I want to hear Baby, take it slow so we oh. can last long tú, tú eres el imán y yo soy el metal Me voy acercando y voy armando el plan Solo con pensarlo se acelera el pulso Oh yeah, ya, ya me está gustando más de lo normal Todos mis sentidos van pidiendo más Esto hay que tomarlo sin ningún apuro Despacito Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito Deja que te diga cosas al oído Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo Despacito Quiero desnudarte a besos despacito Firmo en las paredes de tu laberinto de tu cuerpo todo un manuscrito
Pasito a pasito, suave, suavecito, nos vamos pegando poquito a poquito. Y es que esa belleza es un rompecabezas, pero para montarlo aquí tengo la pieza. I'm Ronan, and today, and today I'm going to be talking to you about types of paella. So there's three main types of paella. Valencian paella, which has rice, vegetables, rabbit, chicken or duck. Snails, beans and dressing. Seafood paella, which is rice, seafood and different condiments. And mixed paella, which is a combination of seafood, meat, vegetables, beans and seasoning. And now Rory is going to be talking to you more about paella. Paella is a famous Spanish dish that originates from Valencia on the east coast of Spain. Paella means frying pan in Valencian. The typical paella is served hot and consists of short grain rice, chicken, rabbit vegetables, and saffron. Rice was brought from Asia to Spain in 330 AD with the help of Alexander the Great and his conquest. According to tradition in Valencia, paella is cooked over an open, an open fire fueled by orange and pine branches along with pine cones. Some recipes call for paella to be covered and left to settle for five to 10 minutes, minutes after cooking. After cooking paella, there may be a layer of roasted rice at the bottom of the pan, called saccharat in Valencian. The layer develops on its own if the paella is cooked over a burner on an open fire. Spain is located in a special part of the world. Its time zone is quite different from the rest of Europe because the sun rises and sets 60 minutes behind the regular time zone of Europe. Therefore, you can expect long summer evenings that have sunsets as late as 10 p.m. The extended sunlight hours of Spain are a main attraction for tourism, but it can be harmful for the Spaniards as extra sunlight can result in sleep deprivation or decreased productivity. A typical Spanish workday begins at 9 a.m. and lasts until 2 p.m. when they have a two-hour break for lunch. Afterwards, continue working until around 8 p.m. As a result, social lives and activities occur later in the night around 10.30 p.m. This, due to this, um, Spaniards often have a late schedule where they eat late at night. As a result of the working hours, the Spaniards have to cope by either drinking coffee in the middle of the night or eating at later hours, both of which are an option, especially whilst trying to enjoy the country's most famous traditions, such as siesta. Hi, I'm Ramon and I'm here with Ian and James to talk about bullfighting in Spain. In our show we will discuss the three main aspects of bullfighting and the morals and cruelty of the killing act on the bulls. Spanish-style bullfighting is a type of bullfighting that is practiced in Spain, Mexico, Colombia, Ecuador, Valencia, Peru, as well as in parts of southern France. The most common bull used in the Spanish fighting Bull Toro Bravo, a type of cattle native to Iberian Peninsula, this style of bullfighting is seen to be both a sport and performance art. The red colour of the cape is a matter of tradition. So, Act 1 begins with the assistance of the matador aggravating the bull using large red capes in order to observe the movement patterns of the bull. The president, the official overseeing the fight, then signals the entry of the picadors, armed men on horseback whose job is to throw barbed lances into the bull's neck. This will injure the bull in such a way that it prohibits, prohibits fast and sudden movement. The second act is called El Tesoro de Bandilleras. The purpose of the second Tesoro is to revive and liven the, atta the attack of the bull from the previous act's fight and injuries. According to the bullfighter regulations, 
the matador must stab at least four banderillas or decorated wooden sticks with spiked ends into the bull before the next and final act can take place. The function of the banderilla, a type of harpoon, is to tear the muscles, nerves, and blood vessels. For the third act, the matador has 10 minutes to kill the bull. If the bull is not killed at, these, at the 10 minute mark, the showman allows him another five minutes. If the bull is yet alive after these five minutes, he is returned to the coral to be killed. The matador's goal is to insert the sword into the cervical vertebrae and cut the animal's spinal cord. The prizes and trophies awarded to the matador at the end of the fight vary depending on the performance. They range from cheers from the crowd to a vuelta or lap around the ring to, be, to being rewarded with one or two of the bull's ears as well. The bull's carcass is then dragged out of the ring by a team of horses to be sold at a butcher's shop or local market. After studying bullfighting, we've derived. After studying bullfighting, we've found out that it is a thrilling experience on one hand. However, it also is, is an extremely cruel and violent series of events. Our final song is Mi Gente. Mi Gente means my people. It is a song about worldwide inclusivity and all the people of the world. Mi música no discrimina a nadie, así que vamos a romper. Toda mi gente se mueve, mira el ritmo como los tiene. Hago música que entretiene, el mundo nos quiere, nos quiere, me quiera a mí. Toda mi gente se mueve, mira el ritmo como los tiene. Hago música que entretiene, mi música los tiene fuerte bailando y se baila así. Uh, today we're going to be interviewing a Spanish border called Benji. I'm here, Kieran, and I'm with Harry Whelan here, who's going to be the translator. So, uh, Harry, uh, just a question to ask Benji. What are the differences in school between Spain and Ireland? ¿Cuáles son las diferencias en la escuela entre España y Irlanda? Los colegios en España son mixtos. En cambio, aquí los colegios son solo de chicos o de chicas. Y otra diferencia es que en España no se suele llevar uniforme para ir al colegio. There are quite a few differences. The main ones are that the schools are mixed. On the other hand, here the schools are only for boys or girls. Uh, oh, yeah, I get you now. Uh, just another question. Uh, what do you think of the weather here compared to Spain? Yeah. Like, are there any differences? ¿Qué opinas del tiempo aquí comparado a España? Pues en España el tiempo es bastante mejor. No llueve tanto como aquí. Y hace más calor. In Spain, the weather is much better. It doesn't rain as much here, and it's hotter. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of expected that, yeah. Uh, just another question. Uh, do you prefer Spanish or Irish food? ¿Prefieras la comida española o irlandesa? La verdad es que prefiero la comida española. Y, de hecho, echo de menos los platos españoles como las croquetas, la tortilla de patatas y el jamón serrano. Pero la comida irlandesa está muy buena y también me gusta. I prefer Spanish food. I miss Spanish dishes like croquettes, tortilla de, de patatas, and serrano, serrano ham. But Irish food is like it too. Perfect, John. Now on to the last question. Uh, how is the situation of COVID in Spain? Uh, 
¿Cómo está la situación del COVID-19 en España? Pues la verdad es que la situación es bastante mala en España. Actualmente tenemos unos 19.000 casos por día y el gobierno ha cerrado los bares y restaurantes y ha puesto en marcha el toque de queda a las 11 de... The situation in Spain is quite bad. We currently have about 19,000 cases a day. The government have closed the bars and restaurants, but the shops are open. They have also put a mini curfew from 11 at night to 6 in the morning. Uh, that's it, Benji. Thank you very much. Hope, uh, hope everything eases up over in Spain. Hey. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned into BCR.